Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And what's up? Welcome in. West Mitchell, Chris Clark, DC Live, Monday episode. Checking in with you. Hope y'all are doing well. Hope you can hear us well. Apparently, it's a great day for some outdoor work. (laughs) Chris has some stuff going on outside his house. Literally, just as we came on, I heard um, whoever cuts my one of my neighbor's grass, they are rolling on the weed eater out there. So hopefully, everybody can hear us just fine. Hope you all are doing well. And got several things we want to get to. But first, going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. 803-771-6933. If you are here locally in Columbia, you may have seen they have finally replaced the big old sign across from Dreher High School with a brand new red movement mortgage sign out there. Um, if you go by Clint, chances are it could be like midnight. Clint will be there working. I see his car literally every single day parked outside when I'm going to the gym. And uh, so nobody works harder. And nobody will work harder to help you sort of sort through that process of what it is like to buy a home, whether you're a first time home buyer or you're a seventh time home buyer or everything in between. Clint can help you through it again. 803-771-6933. Chris, you have an insider report up today. I kind of want to hit on some of the topics from that because I think that's probably what is most newsworthy as Carolina sort of gets into that i think there's two things going on obviously it's transfer portal time carolina sorting through some final targets there um we actually chris i don't think we've done a gc live show since south carolina landed gear so i want to get into that as well and then of course um some high school recruiting going on as well as you kind of set the stage for june but it kind of feels like the name Logan Diggs is on the tip of the tongue of every Gamecock fan out there who follows recruiting. Yeah, as it should be. Um, South Carolina, obviously, we'll get to gear here in a minute, Wes, on the edge. But running back-wise, South Carolina, obviously, with Shane Beamer and his staff, continuing to work the transfer portal in hopes of landing a second transfer running back this cycle. I think – Mario Anderson's been on the team for a while now. I, I feel like even I forget at times, Wes, that he, you know, he is a transfer. He came in from Newberry, went through spring practice. So this would be the second portal running back for the 2023 cycle who could play this season if South Carolina can win, land one. And I think that's the key question. Diggs has now taken the Notre Dame transfer visits to Ole Miss, to South Carolina, and now the expected one to LSU, which I think, Wes, is probably the one that if you're South Carolina, you had eyes on the most, right? He's got the most connections there. Brian Kelly recruited Logan Diggs originally to Notre Dame, but coached him before he moved over to LSU. Logan Diggs is a Louisiana native. Um, And LSU, despite having 
you know, six scholarship running backs on the roster right now before they even add anybody else is still telling him that there's a really good chance to play. They had some guys banged up last year. They were a little short this spring. They should get almost everybody or everybody back for the season, but kind of jockeying for position there for a guy that's been one of the more sought after, certainly one of the most sought after guys in this portal window, but maybe just overall, Wes, he's probably up there in terms of one of the top talents from the transfer portal. So it's a wait and see right now. For the Gamecocks, LSU people certainly seem pretty confident in ultimately being able to hold off South Carolina, uh, but we'll see where it goes. He's uh, not committed, at least officially, anywhere just yet. Yeah, and I mean, you just kind of get the impression there's not a lot of running backs like this out there, which is why he's so highly sought after. If you are – I mean, he rushed for 800 yards last year. Like, if you're, if you're that, frankly, good and – sort of aren't being blocked as far as you're just behind some other stud, chances are you're not in the portal at that position, I feel like. And for South Carolina and LSU, or whichever one ultimately lands digs, you're kind of lucky that he just happens to have been at a place where the depth chart was pretty loaded and you had several guys of similar talent levels. And, you know, he's kind of been jockeying for position there. You know, Chris, there is that little part of you that would think – he doesn't want to end up in the exact same situation that he just left at Notre Dame. You know, there was talk that being like a feature back, like being the feature back was a big reason for him leaving. Now, whether that is truly the actual, um, you know, what, what are the percentages there? Is that more internet chatter? Is that when he talked to his mom, who apparently is pretty big in his recruitment, she was on all three official visits. Was it, you know, I just want to go some, find somewhere to play? Or was it what I think I initially thought, and I think what we all initially assumed, a lot of this was just kind of I'm going home to LSU and then maybe take some visits to see if anybody else can change my mind. So, um, you know, if this is truly a decision where he went into it with an open mind, I would think that that thing, even no matter what LSU says, that thing of wanting to be the man could still potentially hold up. However, if this is just your, what is now classic, oh, I'm entering the portal, but I pretty much know where I'm going. The fact that he took the LSU OV reports out of there or that it went very well. Um, I, I sort of still lean percentage wise towards him to ultimately end up there. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and to go back to your point earlier, Wes, I mean, it definitely was a situation where when he jumped in the transfer portal, it looked like this this had the look of a guy that – sorry for the jack hammering in the background, if y'all can hear it. Um, it had the look of a guy, the feel of a guy who's jumping in, knowing something, knowing where he's going or having a really good idea of it, um, kind of having some intentions attached to him entering the portal. Um because it was when he left Notre Dame, it's kind of like, all right, this is a guy that leads them in carries, right? It's not like they're really, really struggling as a program. Um, they had a pretty good year, you know, early in the year, didn't reach expectations. But this is someone who had their, their longest catch of the season. They had their longest run of the season, scoring run, um, had the most carries on the team. And so when he entered the portal, you go, all right, Louisiana guy entering the portal, 
LSU's been pretty active in the transfer portal this offseason. You could see it. But he did enter also, West with the intentions of, okay, I am going to go take some visits and see what's out there. And I think the South Carolina trip was one that really and truly gave him something to think about that. I don't think that's just lip service. I don't think it was a situation where he just kind of took it just for a free trip. I think they legitimately gave him something to think about, certainly with the depth chart. And, and look, I, I think I said this on the GC Takeover earlier today on 107.5. Guys that enter the transfer portal now that are leaving, they want to find places that are really good situations for them from a playing time and development perspective. Um, Logan Diggs might be. He's got more than one year of eligibility, but he he's kind of looking, from what I've heard, at possibly being a one-and-done guy. And so you want to find the best possible situation. And they're also going to consider the NIL opportunities at all these schools. So. I think South Carolina has a good story to sell on both those, particularly in playing time. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is tough to tell your home state school where you know the coach very well. And if you're convinced and you believe in yourself, which most guys do, most high level guys do, um, they, they may end up percentage wise being pretty tough to beat. Yeah. So we'll certainly be tracking that. There is some buzz that we could know early this week. And certainly, I mean, we talked about this too early earlier, man. You kind of want to know one way or the other. It's kind of like, all right, South Carolina has seemed very much willing to wait on digs. Like he's been that big of a target for them. However, whether you're getting him or not, you kind of want to know, all right, is this sort of box checked where you're like, all right, running back is set for the year or are you still chasing guys? And until he makes his decision, you really don't know obviously if you're South Carolina, sort of where you're at on that. And, you know, there's obviously one or two other guys that have floated around out there as potential targets past that. You know, I I don't know at this point what direction they will turn as far as that position goes. Um, As far as filling the edge spot, they did take one big step towards that this past week with JT Gear commitment from Syracuse. This one kind of, I guess you would put South Carolina in LSU's shoes if you kind of want to make an uh, analogy there. We kind of felt like South Carolina would make a push for gear. It made sense. He's from the state of South Carolina. They have a need at that position. We knew if the official visit last week went well that Carolina would be in a good spot. All that took place. He committed last week and really feels – you know, I, I would say a huge need that we've talked about for the past, like, five months, man. Yeah, big big need filler here. It, it made so much sense. And kind of the the same – a similar situation, right, to Diggs when he jumps in the portal. You go, okay, is this LSU? When Gear jumped in, it was an even stronger, okay, is this going to be South Carolina? It just made way too much sense with the need that South Carolina has. This is a Palmetto State kid from BHP, uh, Belt and Honeyopath right down the road from where I grew up, Wes, and a kid that was talented. You know, out of high school, I felt based on his film and production, he had gone really, really under-recruited. I actually got to talk to his former head coach at BHP, Russell Blackston, last week and published something on Gamecock Central. And you can go check that out if you missed it. But the crux of it, Wes, was this is a guy that his senior year was during COVID, right? He got to play six games as a senior, He got picked for the Shrine Bowl, didn't get to play in the Shrine Bowl. And so, yeah, he had some Power 5 offers. He had some nice offers, but not maybe what it could have been, not what it should have been. And so 
This is a guy that South Carolina in, in a non-COVID world may have had in camp or may have looked at a senior film and said, we need to take this guy. Didn't happen, but now he's able to come back home. Um, you know, a kid that has positional versatility. He played in a 3-4 at Syracuse. He'll move out to more of a true edge, it looks like, at South Carolina, but certainly has flashed some pass rushing pop and added value because he has more than one year. He has three years, in fact, left at the college level. Yeah, and I think certainly not a finished player by any chance. I, I think working with Sterling Lucas, one point that coach made to you was that, you know, it's a guy, if he can slide out to edge, maybe that fits a little bit better in a four-man front versus playing in the three-man front there at Syracuse. And, you know, I, I think we've seen what Sterling Lucas can do in a very short period of time. So I think this is going to be one of those things where probably a best-case scenario for everybody your South Carolina, we've talked ad nauseum about the need there. But if you're gear, a chance to come back home, a chance to play in the SEC, chance to get out of the snow, and just kind of just made a lot of sense on all sides. Um, wasn't really tough to predict or project or anything like that from a recruiting standpoint that was going to play out like this. But nevertheless, South Carolina obviously excited to have him and, you know, um, Somebody asking if there's rumblings about South Carolina taking another player. I, I think they would love to take another player at that position. We'll certainly see what happens. But if you ask me, you you certainly want another edge if you can find the right guy and you want a running back. It kind of feels like it's died down a bit to this point, Chris, as far as other positions go. Um, you know, that doesn't mean if the right guy comes along, maybe there's a surprise graduate transfer who hits the portal. That doesn't mean you completely rule it out. I think there are several positions where if the right guy just popped up, you're making a phone call or you're shooting a DM, right? But I think right now, as far as known targets, known guys that they are after, known positions, it certainly feels like that – edge which again they landed one in gear maybe they take another and running back are still it's kind of circled back to those being the two primary ones yeah it certainly does look that way um you know the the third one west in that mix really did look like offensive line right uh, specifically somebody at offensive tackle and i think that kind of intensified in the midst of alongside the jalen nichols news that he'll be out for at least a good portion of the year, if not the entire season in 2023. Um, that then necessitated, you know, South Carolina taking an even stronger look. The, the issue is, again, we've talked about this in the past, the market for offensive linemen in the portal, there aren't many of them, particularly in this window. And so anyone that is even just a solid player tends to get 20, 30 offers. And, of course, the competition is absolutely fierce for those. And those guys, Wes, I know you've made this point, aren't even necessarily plug-and-play, no-brainer, like this guy's definitely going to be your starting left tackle, your starting anything. It may just be a guy that can, can compete or even just a depth guy, and that's kind of the world you're in in this transfer portal window. So uh, there have been some that have popped up that made sense that South Carolina is engaged with, but nobody so far that they've gotten enough traction with. So – I think, again, you're looking now, since the portal window has passed for undergraduates, you're looking at grad transfers, and you're looking at the other guy still on the board and Logan Diggs as an undergrad. I think Edge is still the one you look at. 
but you are still open to others. Wes, I think they'd be open to, say, a DB. I think they'd be open to a linebacker. But the pickings are a little bit more slim right now because you are right now in just basically strictly grad transfer mode and then anybody who did happen to jump in in the undergraduate window. Yep, and uh, Demi Sumo Karnbe, the NC State running back, still out there as well. Yep. Haven't heard near as much on him, me personally, uh, here lately. Um, we are still trying to keep our ear to the ground on that one as well, I will say. And then, Chris, you kind of do wonder, is there a chance, is there like a guy that just pops up late that maybe is a little bit under the radar and you kind of take a flyer on if you miss on maybe another guy or two. And we we keep talking about it. We talked about it all offseason. Nate Atkins, how that was just kind of such a low-profile, low-key addition. Some people even had some negative takes on that, and then he ends up being one of your better players. So if it – depending on the numbers, and somebody asked earlier, SC Scout guy, one of our – loyal watchers and listeners I and I'm not trying to avoid the question but I am trying to avoid the question and I say that to mean I'm not trying to avoid you but I I also feel like this is such a difficult question to answer these days and then you have the fact of not knowing what's going to happen with the now two suspended players that Still three, but one of them, obviously, and Anthony Rose has already hit the portal. What happens with those two guys? Are they going to be on the roster? Are they not going to be on the roster? Um, you know, I actually don't know what that exact number is, you know, at this point. So hard to say on the numbers. And, you know, like I was trying to say, may- maybe things change. Maybe you have a couple of spots solidified or held off for – you know, hey, we're going to take another edge. We're going to take a running back. And then if you don't get the guys you want, maybe maybe you take best available, even if it is potentially, Chris, like you said, maybe it's a depth guy. Maybe it's a guy like Atkins last year. They weren't bringing in Nate Atkins to come in and start day one, even as a grad transfer guy. However, he ended up actually being one of their better players on offense. So these things, I say all that just to point out, this can be incredibly fluid as far as how it actually plays out. And ultimately, you've got to try to, I guess, optimize or maximize your roster any way you see fit. And the best available way to do that may look different in five days than it does right now. Yeah, and we know just from strictly to, to go back kind of to the numbers question, um, we're actually in the, working on updating our scholarship breakdown on GamecockCentral.com. So they're they're close. I mean, they're right near the number. And so obviously when you have that, the, the number being the 85, you don't have a ton of flexibility. But we know South Carolina has a little bit of flexibility. There's still some questions out there that are not answered. I mean, Wes, they have two players who are still suspended right now that are scholarship players. And we do not know what will happen to those players, there can there can always be other things that crop up even between now and the start of preseason camp from a number standpoint that affect what you have. Um, look, the spots aren't unlimited, and it, and it's and it's not really reasonable to sit here and say for multiple reasons whether it's space, whether it's even just as simple as who's available. 
I, I don't think it's you know safe to say that hey South Carolina would add five guys if they could from the transfer portal. I just don't think there's any evidence that that may happen, and it's not a video game. You know, you can't just create space and roster moves, and this is still college football. You're not cutting guys just for no reason on a moment's notice and then just bringing guys in. I mean, there's a lot more layers to it in college football. So they're tied on the numbers. So everybody that you bring in has to be a consideration of that. And and that's another reason why, you know, talk about offensive linemen in the portal and how they're almost kind of overvalued because you need some of these teams need one so bad. South Carolina still can't get into the position where they're just kind of taking flyers on transfer portal guys. The numbers aren't good enough for them to be able to do that. And really, Wes, that may be a good thing. You don't want to be adding guys, especially multi-year guys, from the transfer portal that you don't feel pretty convicted about. Um, That's not how you're going to get better as a program. Anybody you add from the portal right now needs to be a guy that's going to have a pretty substantial impact quickly and possibly a long-lasting one. And I think Jatias Gear, who we were talking about earlier, fits that mold. Logan Diggs fits that mold. Yeah, if if I'm going to take a flyer on a guy, I think it's probably going to be a high-upside freshman, honestly. I know that's not cool anymore to take actual freshman high school football players. You know, Yeah. um, Give me a guy with some speed and some upside, and let's try to develop him in a couple years. But – out of the portal, and eh, you probably got to be a little bit more selective as far as that goes. And, um, you know, I, I tell you what, Chris, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show either, this from last week, but I thought that was a low-key, very resourceful addition to go get Jackson Hughes from Charlotte as a preferred walk-on. And, you know, I, I don't want to set unrealistic expectations I don't want to hype this up to where people, you know, take it to mean he's going to come right in and start at left tackle because I don't think that's realistic at all. But it's kind of a it's kind of a high it's kind of a no risk high reward situation there. You're getting someone who has played a couple of years of college ball, actual experience, started for Charlotte. You're getting him as a preferred walk on. Um, This is a guy who, if he was not coming off of an injury at the end of last year, probably would have had multiple scholarship opportunities. And I think just kind of gives you, at the very least, like a uh, break glass in case of emergency type option in the future. But in a best-case scenario, this is a defensive lineman out of high school. He played DN, defensive tackle, and tight end. So this is one of those stories, we always see it, where a guy sort of transitions to offensive line in college, puts on weight, sort of gets more and more comfortable at that spot. The athleticism is a a little bit different on the O-line than it maybe is on the defensive side of the ball. And and it clicks. So I I do think Carolina, as far as the context of him being a PWO, this is – sort of maximizing your roster. This is sort of being efficient and I think a resourceful pickup for Carolina that from what I understand, um, they're pretty excited about to add him at least to their depth on the offensive line and offensive tackle. Yeah. And that's what this is. Uh, I like how you put it. 
no risk and can actually be a reward for you, you know, in the future. Again, this isn't someone you bring in and saying, all right, this is the solution here at left tackle. Here's your starter. Um, you know, this is someone that's still very much learning. I think Wes, if you look at the, the body of work, Charlotte had a pretty good offense last year and he was able over the past couple of years to play a few power five teams, including South Carolina. I think they played Illinois, you know, so he's seen some higher level competition and he'll see higher level competition now uh, every day in practice going against uh, uh, SEC guys. Uh, but this is someone that maybe you bring in and he has some physical traits that maybe you feel like you can develop. And at worst, this is another guy that you can bring in and have be um, a practice player for you. Um, South Carolina has another transfer working at tackle in Sydney Fugar from a smaller program, again, at Western Illinois. Um, you've got Cason Henry, who's coming off a, a more minor knee procedure that kept him out in the spring. Um, you got some guys you can slide out there, but you need some more options, especially just in practice purposes. Maybe this ends up being a scout team guy who gives you a really good look, but maybe he gives you a little bit more and ends up giving you some solid depth. So I thought a good move to bring in something that ever since he hit the portal, we've been kind of lightly tracking this Wes, and they were able to make it happen. Yeah. So a guy that again can add, Potentially some depth, potentially a guy in a couple of years who could push. We'll see. But um, either way, some experience and, uh, you know, a guy you want to add to your roster. Uh, speaking of experience, our friends at Liberty Tax here in Columbia, they have experience doing your taxes. Tax time, tax season may be over. However, that doesn't mean that it's too early to start getting ready for next year. Or guess what? It's May 15th. If you have not done your taxes yet, you're going to need some help navigating your situation with the IRS, give our friends at Liberty Tax a call, 803-462-5576. If you're a small business owner or if you work from home or if you have started a side business, anything that may trigger some tax changes, then uh, you're going to want to be prepared for what your taxes are going to look like next year. So again, they got three wonderful locations in the Midlands. Give them a call, 803-462-5576. Uh, shout out to those guys for being a sponsor on the show actually for over a year now. So I uh, appreciate that. Appreciate that loyalty as well. Chris, I want to talk a little bit of football on the field, non-recruiting talk. And Beamer has been doing his welcome home tour, really has hit several places around the state of South Carolina the last two weeks, um, was up in Charlotte as well, of course, right outside the border of South Carolina. And for the most part, from what I've seen, said pretty much similar things, said kind of the same things to the media beforehand. But I did think it was interesting last week. I was up in Greenville checking that out, and he told the media, without a shadow of a doubt, Marquis Anderson is going to play this year. I thought that – I don't know if it's necessarily newsy. Like it To me, it was more of a confirmation of what we thought. But the fact that he just came out and said it um, – was somewhat noteworthy in my opinion. It was. Now here here's my question, Wes, and I'm I'm gonna ask this to you because you were you were there to get the vibe. You heard it. Marky Anderson plays this year. Um, not surprised by it because the, the bar now for playing is a little bit lower because you know as a coach you can play a guy four games up to four games, and he gets to preserve his red shirt. So my question for you now to put you on the spot, does that mean Marky Anderson plays more than four games 
as in does he have a significant role on this offensive line? Well, we're going to have to call up Shane and ask him that, if what he really no, meant. No, I, no. I took it. I took it as he's going to avoid a red shirt this year. I agree. That's how I took it. But I wanted That's to the vibe it. I got. I took That's it like, like, all right, yes, semantically, he could play and still redshirt. But I took it in the old school way of saying, oh, this guy's going to play this year, which used to mean, hey, he's not going to redshirt. And right. I, I kind of took it as in like, hey, we we need him to play this year. And I, I don't know necessarily with what his role is going to be if you could get away with him just playing four games. Could be wrong, but right now, I mean, Chris, we've talked about a lot of positions where we feel better about them after the spring. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I all of a sudden with the Jalen Nichols injury, the more I just like dive into the offensive line, I got some worries about that spot because I think you, you felt good about probably six guys off the bat for those five spots. And now you're kind of down to five guys for the five spots and it's kind of like, all right, well, who would be next if somebody were to go down? So that's not even, let's say best case scenario. Let's say you avoid another major injury, which is, you know, that's iffy and it's all right. You don't go through an SEC football season bumping heads between offensive linemen and defensive linemen without guys getting banged up. Like it, it just doesn't happen. So let's say even best case scenario, you just have nicks, bruises, stuff like that throughout the year. Who's who's next? Who's sixth on that line? Who's seventh on that line? And furthermore, are they ready? Because they may be sixth or seventh because they have to be. The real question is, are they ready to go out there at this level? And, I mean, dude, the more I look at it, the more – Mark Marquis could truly step into that spot as being next guy up. Yeah, and and the point that you made on now having more like five guys for five spots, I think you could argue, Wes, that you have five guys for five spots and don't even have your ideal combo, right? Because I think your ideal combo is exactly what we saw at the end of last season and what we saw at the beginning of this spring, and that was having Jalen Nichols at left tackle and Ja'Kai Moore at left guard. So. The, the idea is now that you're solving the left tackle problem by moving Ja'Kai Moore out to left tackle. Not just a crazy concept because he can do it and he's done it before. He actually started out uh, last season doing that before they moved him inside against Flor- starting with the Florida game last year. So you, you can do that, right? But that wasn't your first choice, you know. Um, maybe it would have been that Nick Gargiulo, I mean – Maybe he wins the center job, right? And now you've got him there. Instead, now you're playing for Sean Lee and Nick Gargiulo instead of having maybe your preferred guy at one spot or maybe even – who knows, Wes? Maybe even having one of Gargiulo or Lee being that sixth guy. We, we don't really know for sure how it would have played out because Ja'Kai Moore missed a good part of the spring. So they really weren't full strength to be able to figure out these combos during the spring, and then you get the wrench thrown in it of Jalen Nichols going down in the spring game, which was so unfortunate. Um, 
so now not only your depth takes a hit, but I think just your ideal starting five takes a hit. But, man, Marky Anderson, looking at him, I mean, we watched him in high school, watched him at the Shine Bowl I did last December, and then this spring. His movement ability is different, you know, than certainly most freshmen you see and really just a lot of offensive linemen in college at general. in general. This guy can really move. I think he could realistically, Wes, not necessarily now, but in the future, could probably play any of the spots along the offensive line. And so I think it's that talent, that ability to move, that versatility, and the fact that he did get to go through spring ball. If you are setting a top eight, he's definitely in it. You know, but he he might end up being number six, or maybe, heck, maybe he ends up being even better than that um, for South Carolina. And I think, Wes, that would actually – this kind of just came to my mind. I would kind of put him in rare air if he was – a South Carolina offensive lineman that avoided a red shirt in year one, you don't really see that. Javon Gwynn, who just got drafted, he red shirted. Part of that was he did have an injury year one. He red shirted. AJ Can, who's still in the NFL, red shirted year one. Brandon Shell, red shirted year one. Uh, who else? Uh, Corey Robinson. I mean, that, he took quite a journey to becoming the player he was. He redshirted. So this is kind of rare that you get guys that come in as freshmen and are able to play and maybe play a significant role, even if you have a team that arguably needs somebody to come in and play. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, and, I, dude, I found myself when when South Carolina originally had um, Isaiah Jada committed, I thought that was a little bit of a luxury take, kind of like, well, you know, do they necessarily have to have him? Um, now looking back, you know, he obviously flipped, ended up flipping to Colorado. That's one, you know, I think – and I have no idea how he's done there, or, you know, if he's even there yet. But um, that's one I think they could – they would love to have somebody with that upside at tackle to be in the mix. Um, but, yeah, you deal with what you got, right? You go out there with what you got. We'll see. I mean – Talk about a massive summer for Sidney Fugar now, too. I I went into – I thought that signing was more of, okay, here's a guy that's big, SEC size, has some upside, can move. You're probably saying, um, you know, take a year to really get comfortable at the SEC level and then push for a starting job next year. Now, you know, you're, you're one play away from potentially being in there at left tackle. I did find it somewhat interesting. What do you read in to um, when I asked Beamer at the Midlands welcome home thing, how he didn't, he didn't just jump on saying, Hey, Ja'Kai Moore is the guy at left tackle. He sort of left it like a bunch of guys are going to compete at that spot. I, I think it makes sense. You know, um, Beamer probably does not want – I have several thoughts on this. Beamer probably does not want the impression to be given that Ja'Kai Moore has just won that left tackle job, right? Um, probably a little bit of motivation within that. Um, I also think there's some reality to it, right? Again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. In your start, in your starting five that you had last season, it's going to be different than this year because you lost three starting linemen, right? But the thing – one thing they were able to keep the same going into the spring was Nichols at left tackle, more at left guard. 
you clearly thought that Nichols was a better option at tackle or more, more was a better option at guard or maybe both. And that's why you made that move last year. That's why you kept it in this spring. So seems like the staff maybe thought his ideal position is left is left guard. So that right there signals, you know, you're, you're doing something that has been done before, but it's not your number one first choice and it may work out great, right? If he ends up being the left tackle, certainly for the coaching staff, Gamecock fans hope he has a wonderful season doing it. Um, but it still is at the point Wes, where you don't want to lock that in. You don't want to make that a sure thing. Um, Issue is you don't see a lot of ready-made candidates for it. You know, you mentioned Fugar, who's a transfer, and was thought of as probably more of a developmental guy in the sense if you needed to get him acclimated to the SEC and all those things. You have Case and Henry, but he missed the spring. He'll be good for preseason, all indications are. And he has very, very limited game experience. He's still a, a, a very young player. Um, Vershawn Lee started his career as a left tackle. Nick Garzulo played some left tackle at Yale before he moved to center last year. So you have some other guys that have done it, uh, but you don't have just a ready-made solution. And Ja'Kai Moore is probably number one on there, but even he isn't a slam dunk. Yeah, Jackson weighed in on YouTube saying, wish Big Tree was on campus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the situation too. If, if Tree had gone through spring ball, then, you know, I, I think we're probably talking about him too, potentially in that same conversation with Marquis. You know, without him going through that, as talented as he is, as highly ranked as he was, I think it's hard to to put that on him right now. It's hard to predict that, you know, that he'd be able to come in and and just step right in right away. That would be a astronomical um, thing for South Carolina if for some reason he did come in as one of the rare true freshmen who is ready to go. But I just don't know if we can predict that right now and. Uh, probably not fair to him uh, without him going through spring ball to to get to come in and you know I think they'll give him a look. Don't get me wrong. I think all the I think all options are on the table. It sounds like, but we'll certainly see what happens there. Uh, let's see before we go any further. One more sponsor to talk about today, and that's our friend Andy Ludicky from Perfect Franchise. MyPerfectFranchise.net. He can help you find your perfect franchise. 404-973-9901. Go to MyPerfectFranchise.net. You may have seen Andy on Gamecock Central on the homepage. He is sponsoring our weekly recruiting roundup. And as we tell you there, if you're ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, if you're looking for a side hustle while still working your current job, if you want to diversify, build some wealth, and and or leave a legacy, Andy can help you. He is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner, and he helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free. He is here to help if you have any questions about business ownerships. Again, 404-973-9901. Give Andy a shout. Chris, the floor is yours. What is your final thought? on this episode of GC Live. Well, I actually have one more plug, and it's not a sponsor, but it's something that'll help us, Wes, GamecockCentral.com. Wes, I don't know if you I don't I don't know if you knew this. Hopefully you read it. You and I sometimes get busy and don't even get to read each other's content sometimes. I, I hate to say it. 
We always catch up. Did you get to check out the new Gamecocks Connection newsletter last Wednesday? I believe that came out. I actually did. I don't know if one's went out this week, but I did. It has not. Okay, then yes, I did catch it last week. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, don't say if you didn't because that'll ruin my plug. Uh, but I have the new Gamecocks Connection newsletter coming out. I'm looking, Wes, at probably once a week. We want to keep the bar low so far. We're not going to do a daily. We're not going to do twice a week. And we're going to save your inbox a little bit. But every Wednesday, I think, Gamecocks Connection newsletter. We'll probably keep publishing it on GamecocksCentral.com as well. But if you want it straight in your inbox once a week, it'll have some original stuff in it that you won't find anywhere else. You'll also find like some curated picks of some different things that are happening in Gamecocks country. You can check that out. Wes is putting it. Thank you, Wes. You beat me to it right there in the chat. All you got to do, go in, put your email in there. We're not going to spam you, and we'll put you on the list to get the Gamecocks Connection newsletter every single week. Thank you for giving me the floor for that. Now, I will give some thoughts. A few random things, okay? Non-football. Gamecock I, means- I will say real quick, yeah. that will also sign them up for um, big headlines and breaking yes. news as well. So it yes. won't be just the weekly that same newsletter link is what is for breaking news. And we'll send out um, like basically a headline list sometimes that just shows kind of the latest that's going on on the site. Yeah. Good call. And all that's super helpful. I get it. I read it. It helps me. It's a good way to keep up with things very quickly and make sure you don't miss anything. Um, Other random notes, Wes, Gamecock softball. They're just coming off a good showing at the SEC tournament. So they now know their destination for the NCAA tournament. They will open up actually in the Florida State Regional. First game is against UCF. Uh, Gamecock men's tennis advanced to the final eight. Uh, first quarterfinals appearance for them. Gamecock men's tennis since 1989. It's a couple big things there. And also uh, congratulations to a few Gamecock athletes from the women's soccer team, Haley Meadows, Cat Berry and Cameron Dixon, all named by Shelly Smith as team captains for the 2023 season. All very impressive ladies. So that's all I got. Just a few things, a few housekeeping notes to close out and let the people know. Hey, Gamecock Athletics. Um, lots of sports looking up for Carolina right yep. now. So yep. good luck to um, softball. We'll talk to y'all before then, but they play this Friday. ESPN 2, 7 o'clock, UCF in that Tallahassee regional. That should be fun. Um, tell you what, if, y'all, if you're a baseball fan, even if you're not, but if you're a baseball fan, softball is obviously a different game. It's played a little bit differently. But if you let yourself get into it, like it is a fun sport. Like it is very fun to watch, very fast-paced. And the level that South Carolina plays at in the SEC is – insane so I, I think they'll be ready for fsu i don't know anything about fsu and what they got waiting but carolina they played a grind of a schedule so i, I think they'll be ready we'll see if they can go down there and try to pull an upset um all right i think that's it for today appreciate everybody hanging in numbers are pretty good considering there's not like breaking news or anything crazy going on so appreciate that as always hey y'all hit the like button If you're on YouTube especially or if you're on like a podcast platform, if you're not watching us, if you're on YouTube or your podcast platform, 
please hit the subscribe button or I think Apple Podcasts actually calls it follow now maybe. Whatever you're on, hit the subscribe, the like, the follows, all that stuff, and uh, that helps us out along the way. I appreciate everybody being active in the chat. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see y'all soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.